The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show and to this beautiful Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we head into our number one of the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A lot to cover today. I want to uh, give special tribute, though, right at the top. Don't know if you're aware of this or not. You may be. Today is National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Stay was established, by the way, by Vietnam War Veterans Recognition Act in 2017. The purpose here is to remember and honor Vietnam veterans, former prisoners of war, and those who are listed as missing in action. And you may ask, why did they pick March 29? Well, if you go back in history and you remember watching uh, the news as I was uh, back in 1973, this was the date back in 1973, that the last combat troops left Vietnam. So I want to take time, and we honor all the time, all of our veterans. We honor those who serve our country and those who have served in the past all year round. But uh, today we especially want to thank those of you who are Vietnam veterans. Number one, not only for your service, but I think we're all aware of the fact how it, it just disgusted me the way that a lot of our country responded to Vietnam veterans as they came home. I think that was a, a national tragedy. And if really we can't make up for that, but at least we can honor those of you who served in Vietnam. And I've worked with a, a lot of veterans organizations over the years, a lot of honor guards uh, throughout the years and in uh, funerals for military personnel. And I'll tell you, I and I've done. I have worked alongside Vietnam vets, many of whom became police officers. In fact, a couple of my training officers back in the day in law enforcement were Vietnam vets. And uh, I know that many of you suffered very quietly as you came home. You endured the slings and arrows and verbiage that you should not have. And so we're going to take time here on the Mike Douglas Show to thank you and uh, to salute you and tell you how proud we are that you serve our country and that we have the opportunity to thank you and honor you for your service today. Again, for all of you who are Vietnam veterans, the Mike Douglas Show salutes you as do all of us here on Power Talk 1360 KF. IV. We're going to be talking a bit about uh, today, a little bit later on, uh, a bill that was headed for discussion in Sacramento, and uh, it, it got hijacked. Assemblyman Kevin Kiley had the idea that, gee, let's, uh, let's promote this gas tax holiday bill. Let's promote that idea. And uh, it went before the uh, uh, Transportation Committee and such. And a bit later, we're going to talk about how that got hijacked and took a turn that absolutely boggles my mind. And again, we have that on our agenda to talk about just in in a few moments here. 
Uh, as uh, as we noted yesterday, California is looking to ban commercial lawn watering and uh, to conserve more water. That announcement again came uh, yesterday. Governor Newsom looking at uh, signing an executive order that uh, is aimed at the State Water Resources Control Board. He's asking them to look at banning the watering of grass and commercial and industrial buildings in California. And as we discussed, and I understand that, I understand conservation, but what I don't understand is the California government having uh, not done their job for decades, having kicked the can, the water can, down the road for decades, for years and years and years and years, and and now they're, they're going to put the onus on commercial and industrial buildings. And as, as we've discussed, if you're uh, an owner of a business, if you are, are in industry, you own property, you know that in order to get your building going, in order to get your permit from uh, the county or from the city, you have to go through a planning process with the planning commission. And there are always landscaping issues there. They want to make sure that you have uh, a landscaping plan that fits well with the rest of the county or or the rest of the city in your area. And a lot of money has to go into that. you got to pay the designers, and it has to uh, meet certain uh, regulations, qualifications, and such. And then uh, what happens when, when the state has not done its job? Who does it target? It targets the fo- uh, targets the folks that it is uh, most heavily regulating, businesses and commercial uh, buildings. Now, if you think that it'll never touch residential uh, property, you know, wait for the other shoe to drop. I'm sure that uh, that's coming down the pike in the not too distant future. Again, the frustrating thing to me is that the state has not done its job. Now, with that, let me bring this to your attention. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the California Department of Water Resources is announcing a $10.3 million grant for funding two aquifer storage and recovery groundwater wells. Well, that's positive. I like that, at least on the surface. Apparently, the wells will add treated water into the groundwater aquifer when it's wet, and it will store that water underground apparently for weeks, they say months or even years, and it can be extracted during dry times. I like the sound of this. Do you? So apparently $4 million has been awarded to the Carmichael Water District and the city of Yuba City was successful on its application for $6.3 million. Uh, The city of Roseville in 2019 stored uh, 944 acre feet of water in the groundwater basin. It was enough water to serve 2,360 families for a year. This is the type of good news I like. Do Do you see this in the mainstream media? Did you hear about this? I'm looking at the what what was reported yesterday something like 45.7 billion dollar reserves now that California has in terms of our taxes 
that that are up in Sacramento. Why, why aren't we using the lion's share of that to address the water problem? Well, I, I applaud the California Department of Water Resources, DWR, uh, if indeed th- this is indicative of their ideas for the future. I like it. It sounds innovative. I'm not sure how it works technically, but some of you may be, as, as they're able to add treated water into the underground water aquifer. And what I like here is that apparently that water can be underground for weeks, months, or years and can be extracted during dry times. In my conversation with uh, a lot of folks that deal with water over the years, and I'm moving into an arena now where I was working for the state and then on uh, various uh, boards and committees within the area representing area pastors, my sense from a lot of folks who know what they're doing in this regard is that we can survive, we could survive these droughts quite well. We would not have to have these draconian uh, measures that often uh, crop up. We could be sitting very well on top of water reserves, but because the government of California has failed to do its job for decades, we have to face uh, these unusual measures every couple of years. And uh, again, it is quite, we're going to have droughts. None of this is going to do away with droughts. What it's going to do away with is the effects of the drought so that we can take public policy and apply it in wise ways. But are we doing that? Have we been taking the the reserves, the monetary reserves up in Sacramento? Have we been taking that extra tax money that they extricate from us all the time and apply it to drought survival measures? Well, that would be logical, wouldn't it? So what do you think about this DWR? proposal. I I like it. Our phone number here 209-551-3483 209-551-3483 and we'll open the phones in uh, just a couple of minutes. Before we do that, I want to talk not about landscaping, but what you may want to do with landscaping when it comes to selling your home. I I think it takes an expert to help to sell a home and I'll tell you what, my go-to expert is Dan Phipps. Good reasons, by the way, right now to sell. Prices are up, inventory's low, and who knows, future interest rates, they're uncertain. So with rapidly changing home prices, are you worried about leaving money on the table? Well, if you are, call the agent I trust. His name is Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees you get multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan's going to sell it for free. That's an amazing offer. His home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. No long-term contracts, no costly repairs, and you pick your move date. And as a matter of fact, Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Let's hear from Warren in Modesto. He writes in that he had a rental house in Modesto, uh, but he was ready to take advantage of the hot market and cash out. His top priority, though, was getting the highest price possible, but he also didn't want to inconvenience his tenant or fix up the house. 
Now, that was a tall order, but not a problem for Dan Phipps. Warren says Dan did it in days, sold his home for thousands more than updated houses nearby. So, call Dan Phipps. Dan's the man I recommend I would hire to sell my home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three P's, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. We'll continue with the Mike Douglas Show in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. We've been talking about what I think is uh, what it sounds on the surface anyway is a pretty unique and innovative idea by DWR, Department of Water Resources, uh, to deal with uh, drought conditions and uh, some grants that they're uh, that they're offering in order to do that. Let's see what you think. Our number here 209-551-3483. What do you think of the DWR proposal? Let's find out. Again, 209-551-3483. Let's go to Denaire and Dennis. Dennis, what are your thoughts about this? I'll just say it's uh, pretty interesting. We're uh, spending lots of money to uh, fill the aquifers. I I served the town of Turlock as well here a couple years ago, uh, leasing properties to flood. I think we just give the water back to the farmers and Get, the, get rid of the drip systems, let them flood their fields, we'll fill the aquifers without spending money. Yeah, Dennis, are, are you in the uh, agricultural business? Uh, just just bought me a little 20-acre ranch, and, uh, but I've always thought about this. to see, you know, you got the farmers putting the drip systems in, spending the money on the drips, and, and aquifers going empty, and you see the cities leasing property to flood to fill the aquifers. I didn't understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think one of the uh, one of the great and and I wonder, Dennis, does Sacramento purposefully overlook uh, the concerns of uh, farmers and and ranchers? Sometimes I I think they're tone deaf uh, to that. I I don't know about you, but it seems to me that the 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 farmers, the ranchers, their concerns seem to fall on deaf ears oftentimes in Sacramento. What do you think? Yeah, I think it goes a little bit deeper. I think it uh, has more to do with con- uh, control. And uh, you know, they're taking the water uh, from the farmers. And uh, I went to a couple of their water board meetings, and it, uh, nothing they, they commented on made much sense to me. So um, well, I think like- it has more, more to do with control. Yeah, like you, Dennis, I'm at least glad to see some innovative thinking in that regard. Dennis, thanks for the call from Denaire. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, again, DWR uh, proposing or announcing a, a $10.3 million grant for two aquifer storage and recovery groundwater wells. And what I like about that is apparently in the process, water can be uh, stored underground 
for weeks, months, or even years and to be ex- extracted during uh, dry times, during drought times. Uh, I like that. I, I applaud that. And, uh, and we'll see what, what happens uh, in the future with that. Uh, up in uh, up in Sacramento, of course, the uh, uh, the legislators are are busy at work, and uh, one of the one of the concerns that I have is any time that the California legislature goes into session, I get nervous. And, and it's not because I have too much coffee, although I do every every show. I, I have my coffee here. My mug is full, uh, ready to go, and that keeps me uh, going for the two hours that we're blessed to have here with iHeartMedia. Uh, but I cringe when I hear what's, uh, what's happening up in Sacramento. There was a—and I saw this headline. I thought it was very strange. I don't, do, have you heard about this? Apparently— Elections in the United States have become so polarizing that California, it's always California, right, is considering treating poll workers with the same caution as domestic violence victims by allowing poll workers to keep their addresses hidden from public records. I'm not sure what to do with this. I'm not Apparently, the legislature on Monday advanced a bill that would add election workers to the state safe at home program that uh, let some people keep their physical addresses secret. The program was originally designed to protect domestic violence victims, but it has been now expanded to include people who work at abortion clinics and their patients. And now they want to expand it to people who work at polls. Am I missing something that poll workers now are on the same plane in terms of victimhood as domestic violence victims? Does this make any sense to you uh, at all? Have you, have you heard about this? In other words, they now I don't I would not I don't have any reason really to go and find out what a election poll worker's home address was or is, but apparently they they want to protect them from that. My my thought here is well, if they're going to protect like these election poll workers, how about protecting all of us? How about protecting radio show hosts? How about protecting radio show callers? How about protecting farmers? How about protecting ranchers? How about, well, the the list goes on and on. Well, apparently, there was a survey of nearly 600 election officials across the country by the Brennan Center, and they say one in six have experienced threats because of their job while more than half say they were concerned about the safety of their colleagues. And this is being pushed by the California Voter Foundation. Uh, It says a nonpartisan nonprofit that works to improve the election process. Anytime that I see an organization that bills itself as nonpartisan nonprofit, I always take a look at who do they partner with. Who do they partner with? Well, I I looked it up very quickly today. 
And so the California Voter Foundation, which is uh, pushing this particular bill, they have partnered in the past with the ACLU of California, League of Women Voters of California, the Brennan Center, Asian Americans Advancing Advancing Justice, Union of Concerned Scientists, NARAL, N-A-R-A-L, uh, Promoting uh, Abortions, and the California League of Conservation Voters. So if you really look at their record, I would not say they're really nonpartisan. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm just, uh, I'm a little mystified by this push to have a bill that, that would prevent people from finding out where poll workers live. Now, here's an interesting, uh, and this is uh, in Nevada County, apparently. Um, Registrar Gregory Diaz says he first noticed a change in the aftermath of the 2020 presidential election. Here we go. It's Trump's fault. Uh, He said it was marked by, quote, just a whole bunch of disinformation that prompted, quote, a lack of trust in our offices. Okay, so here we go. We're going to blame it on the 2020 election. Seriously? Uh, and, and, and they quote uh, something that happened when uh, a statewide election that uh, it was the recall election for Gavin Newsom. And he says there was shouting and intimidation at county vote centers that resulted in some election workers leaving their posts in tears. Is any of this raise suspicions in your mind? I'm just, I'm not sure what we're dealing with here. I'm not sure what the impetus is. I, uh, this is odd. We're going to keep an eye on this because uh, it's, it's so unusual and I have suspicions about what it's really about. Uh, But I, I like to plummet as far as I can find out what the truth is. We'll talk more about what's happening in Sacramento in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show as we continue on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we talk about the issues of the day that affect you and me right here in California, even even the mystifying ones. And I'm, I'm mystified by this bill in, in up in Sacramento to keep the home addresses of California poll workers, uh, private, undisclosable, on the same level as domestic violence victims. I, I just, I don't understand this, but, but, but we'll keep, we'll keep pursuing it. Let's see what you think about it. 209-551-3483. So election poll workers are on the same threat level as domestic violence victims, really? 209-551-3483. Let's find out what you folks think about it. And let's go out to LaGrange. Mike, how are you this afternoon, my friend? What do you think about this? 
I'm good, Mike, and I'm grateful for the rain that we just received yesterday. Yes. Um, I, I've got a, I've got a, an answer to that problem. Yeah, but one second, I just want to touch on the prior caller. Um, you can't use drip irrigation for everything. Have you ever tried to put drip irrigation out on 20 acres or 32 acres of cattle pasture? It doesn't work. You need flood irrigation, partner. That's just the way that works sometimes. Yes. But I, and I'm sorry, I cut the tail end of that conversation. But you can't use drip irrigation for for clover, for uh, alfalfa. It just doesn't work. Um, and then, on, as far as the voter register, as this voter wanting to hide their addresses, uh, I don't know if you remember, but when I first started calling in, I told you that at my poll station when I was voting um, at the last election. There was a Hispanic gentleman, a Chinese lady, and and a um, and an African American person there. Now, my community, um, I don't know of anybody out there like that, but uh, and that's not got. And so, all you freaks out there, before you start screaming racism, that's just my community and the way it's made up. Um, the reason they don't want us to know is because they've been stuffing the ballot boxes for 20 years. They want to do away with people being able to question them. And the minute you question them, they're going to take it as a threat. And then they're going to take your civil liberties and then just stuff them in the trash can and take all your rights away, uh, gun ownership and everything, saying you threaten a poll, a pollster, when in fact they don't want people to witness what's going on at the polls when you drop your ballot. They don't want independent auditors there. They don't want anything, and how dare you question them? And if you question them, they are going to make sure you pay the price for questioning, and you cannot find their address because they're importing them from every different uh, county in the country uh, to stuff the ballot boxes. And believe me, Mike, in the last <laughs> 20 years, I've watched this state get just flooded. You cannot tell me that there's not there's that many stupid people in the state. There isn't. At least not the people that I know. Uh, there's there's something going on fishing. It's been going on for 20 years. When we lost the last the last deal we lost uh, on the election when when we couldn't elect a Republican, we could no longer have a Republican candidate for Senate. That told me that the system was lost for good, and they've they've really corrupted the system. And we know that's happened. And uh, you know the the more people stand up against it more upset they get and the more concerned they are about people seeing the light of day and seeing the truth of what's really going on so yeah mike so your opinion and i don't think yeah, just a, yeah your 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 theory here and and i'm uh, i'm attracted to that is that it removes a lot of accountability and and the other thing mike i'm, I'm looking at the the rest of this story here apparently uh, these files that identify people's addresses who, who work at the polls um, are only released to about four groups of people, political parties and campaigns, uh, academics, election officials, and journalists. So it's not like yeah. it's being released to the world. And uh, the, the other thing that I find fascinating about this, and again, uh, they're quoting uh, in Nevada County, the registrar named Gregory Diaz. Uh, they say, and this, is, this always causes suspicion uh, for me, Mike, when, when there are not details. They said, but things really boiled over in January when a group of people supporting a recall right. election 
of local elected elected officials stop by the county registrar's office to check on the status of their position. They said some county employees told them the office was closed, but they entered anyway. We're not wearing masks required by the office because of the pandemic and the commotion that followed. A county employee got knocked down. There's a lot of detail missing here. Oh, uh, what what was? There's the, a lot of BS that we're not catching, uh, and believe me, there's a lot of stuff that's hidden. Yeah, and it's just they don't want us. To, they don't want the public to know what's going on. There, I'm just telling you, Mike. I hate to interrupt, but I'm just so. No, go ahead. I was so perplexed when that happened to me, and I'm thinking, aren't those people that run the polls supposed to be from our community? Uh, it, it 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 baffles me, and that's why they don't want it. They don't want people to know who is who is dropping those ballots and you know they could stuff as many mail-in ballots or do as much as they want because they don't have any witnesses and that's what they're trying to eliminate is witnesses to the vote and and if you dare question them you're going to be charged as a domestic terrorist uh, or or threatening somebody they're going to take away your civil liberties your gun rights they're going to charge you they're going to do everything they can to shut you up and Mike, we've seen it. Haven't you seen it coming? Absolutely. It's coming. Absolutely. Hey, Mike, thanks so much I, I for calling. I the opportunity to, to talk on your station. I really do. Oh. But a wake up, America. It's coming our way. They're doing it. Absolutely. Mike, thank you. Yeah. Th- thanks for your, uh, for your, uh, deep thought there and your theory. I, I like it. I'm, I'm highly suspicious about this particular, uh, this particular bill, you know, it, uh, and maybe it's the ex cop in me, maybe it's just the, you know, the journalism training I received, or maybe it's just the way I'm wired. I'm always suspicious when a lot of details are left out of something. I, I, and, and it, when, when things just don't pass the smell test, you know, that the little meter goes off and it starts pegging into the red and some, something's not quite right here, but, and, and as Mike d- described it, sometimes that's the intent. Uh, the, they don't want you to see what, uh, what's going on. Uh, so Mike, thanks for your call. Uh, appreciate that. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on that and, uh, see how that, uh, proceeds again. I'm, I'm baffled by the comparison of, and by the way, it, have any of you worked at a poll location? And again, we're not demonizing all of you. We're just saying that this particular story is odd. It, have any of you worked at polling places? And what was your experience? I'd, I'd love to hear that. Did, did, did you feel that you were threatened, that your life was in danger and, and such? Love to know. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Uh, lighten things up here just for a moment. Did you see or hear about this story that less than 20% of Americans can drive manual transmission vehicles. That's amazing. I, I drive a, a clutch, and uh, I'm not going to tell you who actually taught me how to drive a clutch in high school. But anyway, I've been driving clutches for a long time. Uh, so is my wife, but I understand a, a lot of people don't. My son, uh, I had the opportunity to make sure that he learned how to drive a clutch, 
before he went off to to college. And in fact, his his first car that we helped him get was a oh man, what was it? Nineteen um, something Ford Mustang. Can't remember the year, uh, but it was uh, it was a clutch. And he learned on it. I did not have the opportunity to uh, teach my daughter uh, to drive a clutch. I I, I really re- regret that. It was just a matter of um, no time, and and it just didn't happen. But I think that's one of the most important things to me. Now maybe I'm just old school, but I I think things like driving a clutch, learning how to fix a leaking toilet, uh, learning how to do basic home repairs, all those sorts of things. Those are things that moms and dads need to pass on to their children uh, to prepare them for life. And uh, anyway, that's just a personal thing for me. I I think, in fact, it says another fact is um, only around, yeah, only around 18% of Americans know how to drive a manual transmission any more. That's according to uh, U.S. News and World Report. And they said, now, by comparison, again, uh, less than 20% of folks in America know how to drive a clutch anymore. Back in 1980, 35% of all cars made in America were manuals. Did you know that? I didn't realize that back in 1980. 35% of all cars made in uh, America were, were manuals. And, uh, of course, uh, today you may wonder, well, how many cars uh, have manual clutches today? Around 1%. Isn't that uh, interesting? So maybe it's just me getting older, but I'm thinking that's one of the things that we need to pass on in our children is knowing how to, knowing how to drive it. What if you're out with a, a friend and they have a, a manual transmission and something happens to your friend, they get sick, uh, whatever, there's an emergency, need to know how to drive that clutch. Again, maybe I'm just old school. Mike, you're just old school. Who cares? Don't need to drive a clutch anymore. And now, of course, we have cars that uh, are are self-driving. I'm not into that, by the way. I do not care. Don't want one. Of course, maybe that's all there will be in the future. Don't want a car that drives itself. I want to remain in control of that car. And frankly, I don't want cars behind me that are driven by a computer. I've seen enough computer hiccups to get very worried about a computer driving a car behind me. Now, I don't mind the monorail at Sacramento airport. It's on a track. It only goes a certain distance and there's uh, nobody else on that track. Uh, but when you get uh, cars out on the roadway, I don't know. Are, do you have one of those uh, self-driving vehicles? I'm against them. I just, uh, I, I think, I think it's dangerous. Maybe the technology will be here uh, someday where I'll feel more comfortable at it. But uh, anyway, that brought it to my mind, driving a clutch, self-driving cars. I'm just not making the jump to it, my friends. I'm just not crossing that Rubicon. Um, I'm just not there. Sorry to say. All right, we'll continue with the Mike Douglas Show in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. <laughs> 
father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Tuesday afternoon. This is one of those uh, odd days uh, between uh, winter and and spring where it can't quite, at least in in our area here, where it can't quite decide what it's going to do. Uh, There are times of sunshine. There are times where it gets kind of cold and windy. Uh, So we're in that in-between time. But uh, otherwise, it amounts all adds up to a beautiful day here in California's Central Valley. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Mike Douglas Show, Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A lot of talk about the border, but as you know, one of the problems is uh, lately that, of course, the media doesn't, the mass media doesn't like to reveal the the ridiculousness in terms of public policy that's going on at the border. And people tend to frame things in terms of it's all black or white. Uh, you are pro-immigration immigration, or you're anti-immigration. That's not the reality. The reality for many of us, and I, I would say almost the, the majority of us, is that we are pro-legal immigration. We are not for illegal immigration. And I'm going to use those words because I believe words are important and we need to get back to calling things what they are. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fall into the trap of saying undocumented person. No, they're illegal immigrants. They have immigrated illegal. They have come to the country, breaking the laws of the country and uh, are entering the country uh, illegally. They are illegal immigrants. And if we're going to preserve the word the, the rule of law, then we need to uh, enforce it. I'm always looking for people who articulate well the issues at the border. Uh, Stephen Miller, and you probably remember uh, Mr. Miller. He was in the Trump administration, one of his uh, top advisors there. Uh, Stephen Miller, oh, this has got to be two weeks ago, maybe, was on uh, Fox. And he gave one of the most, I thought, uh, impressive and uh, I, I, I think full and complete explanations of the problem at our border right now. And I'm I'm always on the look for this. So I want to offer this to you to just put in your mental reserves, to put it in into your files so that you can pull it out when you need it and mix it in with the rest of the things that you research. I think he makes some really good points, and I want to offer that uh, to you right now to listen to. Again, this is Stephen Miller uh, on Fox eh, probably a week or two ago. Well, last year was the largest year for illegal immigration in American history and certainly in world history. And this year we are already seeing substantial, dramatic increases on top of last year's record-breaking numbers. So we're looking at many millions of unlawful foreign nationals seeking to enter this country without any legal permission whatsoever to completely change our country. And I think that if the American civilization falls because we had no border, history will record with the greatest astonishment that we barely even spoke of it. We barely even spoke of it. Millions of workers are being displaced from their jobs. 
Our taxpayers are being drained of their finances. Our hospital and medical system is crashing. Our educational system is being destroyed. It's not being destroyed for the reason that our students aren't performing. It's being destroyed because we're adding in students who do not speak their own language and do not write their own language at a proficient level, and they don't speak our own language at all, and we can't keep up with that. And of course, the human casualties, transnational murderous cartels are operationally controlling our border. They are murdering people on both sides of the border, and their drugs are killing people in the prime of their lives. It is destabilizing the entire hemisphere. It is also the epicenter worldwide of child trafficking and sexual exploitation. All of this happening, barely without notice, barely without comment, a human tragedy and a historic tragedy unrivaled in memory. Don't you think that's a, a pretty good explanation from A to Z in, uh, what, about a minute and a half of the concerns we have with uh, current public policy from Washington, D.C. and from Sacramento regarding the border. And again, as we enter into these discussions with people, I I think the facts that uh, Stephen Miller uh, gave us, these are important things to keep and and bear in mind, Uh, but also to stand firm on the fact that we are pro-immigration. I'm not going, I don't know, but I'm going to guess that in our listening audience here and our listening family, I'm going to guess that probably a good 60 to 70% of you have within the last at least two or three generations uh, had people migrate to the United States of America from a foreign country, and they've done it legally. They've done it legally. And we're all for that. Because border control is part of the survival of a sovereign country, and as uh, as as we were listening to this, I was you know he's talking about uh, the what this does by open borders. It changes the country. Uh, it it uh, it causes stresses on the hospital uh, community, upon uh, medicine, upon education. You noted that some uh, kids can't even speak their own language and such, uh, much less uh, the language that uh, is is required here. And uh, and so these things again, my friends, are are things we need to bear in mind. He also talked about the fact of, of human trafficking and the drugs that come over. You see, it's not a, it's not a one issue thing. It's not, you're either for the people coming over the border or you're not. No, we are for people coming over the border who have the capacity to contribute to the country and are willing to do it legally. If they're willing to come into the country illegally, what else are they willing to do? illegally. Well, we'll continue the conversation in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Hour number two here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And on the line with us is Assembly Member Kevin Kiley from California District 6. Uh, Mr. Kiley, we, you had what we thought was a good idea uh, the other day, and that was a bill to temporarily suspend the uh, onerous gas tax we have. Just give us a thumbnail sketch. What happened in that hearing about it? (laughs) Well, gosh, where to begin? So, uh, you know, I have uh, a bill, as you said, uh, that's very, very simple. It's just let's suspend the state gas tax now that gas is about dollars a gallon. I mean, we have the ability to immediately suspend that and save folks uh, 51 cents a gallon. Other states have done it. Other red states have done it. Other blue states have done it. Uh, and yet our legislature has refused. Uh, we forced the vote on this twice before. They uh, voted it down. They finally gave it a, a full committee hearing uh, yesterday, but only for the purpose of trying to uh, carry out some uh, just sort of uh, shenanigans. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it really defies belief what they did uh, is they hijacked the bill and turned it from a tax cut, tax gas tax suspension into a uh, tax increase. Um, but it was it ended up with uh, them having major egg on their face because uh, the tax increase they proposed was so bad, was so odious, uh, that the committee chair, none of them would even attach their name to it. And so <laughs> you had everyone in the committee room actually laughing at them, uh, that they were trying to ram through this tax increase yet wouldn't even, uh, you know, own it as their own. Help us understand, if you can, uh, help us get into their heads. Why are they so uh, uh, entrenched against removing the California gas tax uh, or suspending it even for a time? What is it that they're so against in this regard? Well, they're against giving up any revenue. There's, uh, you know, the idea of the government taking in less money uh, from taxpayers is just anathema. Uh, to our legislature. It is a one-way ratchet. And so any reduction in tax revenue, any tax relief, even if temporary, uh, is something that they're going to fight tooth and nail against because the corrupt special interests that run our capital always want there to be more revenue. There's more spoils uh, to divvy up amongst themselves. So that is fundamentally uh, the dynamic here. Uh, It doesn't matter the fact that Californians are just struggling, you know, and especially folks from uh, low-income households, 47% say that rising gas prices uh, pose a serious financial hardship. Uh, so, you know, it really just puts in stark relief the fact that we have a government here in California at our capital in Sacramento that simply does not serve the people of the state. Now we have about a minute before you need to go, Assemblyman. Uh, again, we're speaking with uh, Kevin Kiley. And uh, can I just ask you straightforward, is this about party politics? Is this just being vengeful Democrats versus Republicans? Or is there any thinking involved in this uh, at all? No, there's no thinking. I mean, the uh, excuses they came up were, were laughable. They're totally bogus. They say, well, no, if you cut the gas tax, that's not going to help out consumers. But you can just look at the states that have done it, and it's led uh, to lower gas prices. Uh, so, uh, you know, unfortunately, yes, what we saw yesterday, this just sort of, uh, you know, uh, spectacle uh, that they put on, uh, was a very sort of uh, ham-handed attempt 
to try to get back at us for making them vote on this. They don't like that we're making them vote on the issue uh, at all. But as I said, it completely backfired because uh, it just brought more attention uh, to their unwillingness to suspend the gas tax. Uh, It showed how completely out of touch they are that they would oppose a tax increase. And it showed a lot of people just how completely messed up our legislature is that they would ram this thing through, and yet none of them would even be willing to put their name on it. I know you got to run just very quickly. Anything happening with this thought of the rebate? Not that I'm particularly behind it, but any any action on the rebate uh, back to Californians regarding that tax? Well, so this rebate idea is what they came up with after they took so much heat. Uh, for rejecting my gas tax bill, they just cuddled and within like a day threw together this plan, uh, let's do rebates for people. Uh, there was actually no nexus to fuel consumption initially. It was just, oh, yeah, $400 for everyone, and that's going to make up for the fact that gas prices are really high. And then Gavin Newsom came up uh, with his own version of that. And, again, they like the idea of rebates better than suspending the gas tax because then the revenue still comes in uh, to the government, and they, the politicians, uh, get to decide how to – send it out. Who gets it? When they get it? Maybe it's right before the election. And so what we do know is that even if one of these schemes were enacted, people would not be getting these checks for months, and it would do nothing uh, to help with the very specific problem uh, of high gas prices. So, you know, I actually think it's a sign of uh, the pressure that we're putting on them uh, is producing uh, results because they were unwilling to do any form of tax relief uh, before we forced that vote. Uh, so I'm actually encouraging it. Yeah, okay, let's do rebates. That's great. In fact, they should be bigger. They should be permanent. We should uh, have a, a habit of giving Californians uh, their money back when there's a surplus. But that is a totally separate question uh, from what do we do about the specific problem of outrageous gas prices. And I propose a specific solution that is immediate. That won't take months to take effect. That will take effect immediately. The people will see immediately when they go to fill up. And that's, let's suspend the gas tax. It's not going to make prices reasonable by any stretch of the imagination, but it will help out millions of people by taking 51 cents off of every gallon. And the fact that our legislature refuses to do that, I think is just mind-boggling to many Californians. And finally, it sounds like jumping uh, from the frying pan into the fire, you're running for Congress, right? Uh, I am, yes. And, uh, you know, uh, that was a difficult decision for me because the battles here in California, we have so many of them. Uh, But the reason I decided to run uh, for Congress is I see everything that has gone so wrong uh, with California is now being repeated on the national level. Seeing what's happening in Washington, seeing what's happening with the Biden administration, it's like deja vu. And we absolutely cannot allow the corrupt and radical policies that are ruining the greatest state in the country uh, to ruin the greatest country in the world. And So I want to sort of take my experience having been fighting these battles in California the last five years, having seen how much uh, that, you know, the, the corruption and radicalism in this state uh, is harming so many people in California. And I want to make the case that we should not continue down this path. So I think that we have a very important choice in this election. You know, are we going to, uh, as a country, go down the failed California path or are we going to return uh, to the principles that have made America the country uh, that it is? So if anyone is interested in, in helping out or following my campaign or getting involved, uh, you can check out my website. It's uh, electkevinkiley.com. Uh, you spell my last name, uh, Kiley, K-I-L-E-Y, uh, electkevinkiley.com. All right, elections coming up, my friends. Uh, Assembly member Kevin Kiley and uh, a candidate for Congress. Thanks for joining us today, sir, and uh, best wishes to you on your campaign. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the chance to be on.
All right. Again, uh, Kevin Kiley, our guest uh, at the moment, <laughs> Assemblyman, our Assembly member here in California for District 6, running for Congress, District 3. You heard him. You heard his uh, policies that he's interested in, where he'd like to see the country go. Now, remember that when elections come up and vote. All right, uh, let's go back to the phones very quickly. We were talking about immigration and uh, how the, the the media and the left tends to spin it that either you're for immigration or you're not. And that's not the case. So many of us are just saying, no, we just we want. We want the rule of law. We want immigration that is legal. We want a controlled border so that there are productive immigrants. Let's find out what Jorge from Ceres has to say. Hey, thanks for your call, Jorge. What What are your thoughts about the whole discussion about immigration these days? Yeah, good afternoon. I've said this before. I mean, um, me and my family came here in the late 60s legally. My mom would not bring us here illegally. Even though she had been here illegally, she refused to bring us, her children, five children at the time, five. She had another one here. Uh, but come on, do it legally. Do it legally. You know, you don't want anybody coming into your house and just, uh, who are you? Oh, I, uh, I want that bedroom over there. Oh, yeah, okay, that's going to work out real good. That's basically what they're saying. Here, I'm going to come in here, and, I'm, and I expect you to take care of me and show me how to sign up for welfare. It was like, come on, man. You know, it's like our president. Come on, man. <laughs> and uh, come on, do things right. You never have to worry about remembering what you did if you do things the right way. You're doing the right way? It's like, oh, yeah, I did that. I took care of that. And then the other one, come on. Uh, President Lincoln, you know what he wanted to do to the to the uh, slaves? He wanted to send them back to Africa, and the Congress stopped him. And now the thirteen percent are causing over fifty percent of the murders and mayhem in this country. Why? Because the Congress wouldn't let Lincoln send the slaves back to Africa. That's my say. If you don't believe me. Look it up. I did, and I found that I was right. Well, Jorge, Thank let's you for your time. Yeah, let, let, before yes, you go, let, let let me bring this back to a very practical question. When we talk about immigration and and the rule of law and the need for legal immigration, which I think ninety eight percent of us probably support, what is your short answer to people who paint painted either black or white? You either for immigration or you're against it. What, what short answer would you give them to open their eyes a little bit and say, no, that's that's not the case we need to look at this from a different angle we need to have legal immigration you want to come in we want to know who's knocking on the door you know show your id on your way in don't just say hey open the door or sneak in like a thief in the night come on that ain't cool either you know you want to come in like that like a thief in the night to a country that you know you're going to start washing dishes like some uncles did and then move your way up to head chef Come on, do things the right way, the right way. And then you don't have to be looking over your shoulder like good, some of my other uncles did. Good, 
Good wisdom, uh, Jorge. Thanks so much for your call. Jorge, interesting, uh, some interesting thoughts there about immigration. I like the way that that he handled that last question, though, in terms of a, a quick way to respond to those who put spin on immigration and try to put words in our mouths and paint us into a corner about being one way or the other. Uh, good Good points, Jorge. Thank you. No pun intended, but we're going to switch gears and talk again about manual transmissions and clutches coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. We were talking uh, a bit ago about uh, the new uh, stat here, the new statistics, the new report that says that less than 20% of Americans know how to drive a stick shift, a, a clutch anymore, according to U.S. News and World Report. And then what I, I was kind of shocked about was 1980, about 35% of all cars made in America were manuals. I, d- I didn't realize that. Today, so we go from 35% of all cars made in America uh, being manual shift in 1980 to 1%. 1% here in 2022. Well, let's uh, let's find out what you think about driving. It sounds like Kathleen in Oakdale has a lot of experience uh, driving uh, a manual shift, a clutch. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, well, I was driving uh, in the 80s, and I'm still driving now, and uh, I have always only driven a manual. And I had no idea that that was less than uh, uh, so so low in the statistics. But I just want to say that uh, I was raised uh, to um, drive a manual because driving a manual, you have to use your senses. Mm. And in the heart versus head, um, the using your senses is the heart. So I use my heart to drive, and that's, that, that makes a good driver. And that using your head to drive, that's using the metaphysics. And uh, so I really think that if half the drivers on the road were using their heart, were using their senses to drive the car, we would have fewer accidents than what we have right now. I, I totally agree that the metaphysics uh, driving is a good way to have a car and a good way to drive. Uh, but I really think that there's a time and a place and a need for some using your senses uh, on the road. And uh, so I just think that uh, civil society should should take another look at that and should take another look at, at the reason why people who were raised on a manual transmission were raised on the manual transmission. That's why I was raised on it, so that I would use my senses while I'm driving. Kathleen, I, I think you make a good point there. When when you're driving a clutch, you're you're engaged not, not just with your foot, obviously, but you're you're, you're engaged mentally. Uh, you're paying attention, and and after a while, of course, you know the clutch it it becomes second nature. But it's the feeling of the RPMs. And here's an interesting thing, Kathleen. Uh, I hope you find this interesting. I did. Uh, I have a pastor friend of mine that that actually I, I partner with. He and I uh, help co-pastor a local congregation in town. And uh, one of his daughters uh, is deaf. 
And so he knows a lot about the deaf culture. He taught his deaf daughter to drive a manual transmission. And he said, now think about it. How much do you rely upon what you hear from the engine in order to shift? And I'm thinking, I hadn't, hadn't thought about it. So the next time I, I had my car out there, my stick shift, I'm, I'm listening. And I, I didn't realize it, but I put, I'm listening to the RPMs rev up. And that gives me part of the cue on, on when to shift. Well, his daughter couldn't, so I, what I did was I put plugs in my ears and I found that it was a little more difficult in order to uh, shift when I needed to shift. And what he did was he taught her to feel the vibration of the car, the rhythm of the motor of the engine, so to speak, and to watch uh, the, the tachometer. And of course, you know they have them in automatics, and they're useless in an automatic. But you know, you watch the tachometer, and it, it tells you how many RPMs you're at. And that's how he taught her uh, to drive a stick without being able to hear. And so anyway, I don't know if you've ever tried that, Kathleen. Well, I, I guess I wouldn't recommend it. But anyway, interesting thing. No, actually, I have I, I have lots of, I sorry, I have lots of hearing trouble myself. Oh, you and, do? Uh, okay. Sometimes I, I my hearing goes completely out, both ears. I only can hear in one ear, so um, I, I haven't really thought of that before. That um, that might be one of the reasons why I uh, was taught uh, on the uh, manual transmission, and what I stick to the manual transmission is because of my hearing trouble. But that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, it, interesting, Kathleen. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, I have another manual transmission sister out there so uh for you brothers and sisters that drive clutches good and i've i've driven uh, uh 1960 american lafrance fire engine and uh that's a different matter that uh detroit diesel that's in that uh, fire engine uh that um that's a whole different thing in shifting as well. I've also, uh, at times, uh, have had to drive vehicles that required double clutching. Have you done that? That's always fun, double clutching. And, of course, uh, that fire engine, when you're on, there, there's a, uh, a little bit of a grade uh, near us, and I've taken that fire engine to a stop sign on that grade, and I'm looking at the cars behind me going, you know, I really wish you weren't that close to my back bumper. Uh, because if I'm not right on in terms of, of engaging this uh, clutch and this powerful diesel engine, if I'm not right on the money here, um, you, you might meet my fire engine in a, in a way that you had not anticipated. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, thanks for the call, Kathleen. Really appreciate that. And I, I think it's, it does. I think it requires more mental attention when you're driving a stick than it one than it is when you're you're driving an automatic and i think you feel maybe it's just me i think you feel the road a little bit better you you feel the 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 nuances you're you're feeling uh the the way the the road is constructed you're you're feeling the vibrations and there's just something about it i'm i'm not you know long trips in an automatic to me, I'd rather do the Star Trek thing. Beam me over, Scotty. 
You know, if I need to, we've often driven down to a family member's place in Southern California and Los Angeles County, and uh, it's usually about a five to six hour drive, depending upon the traffic and the construction. In an automatic, I, I'm telling you, I, I have to fight to uh, uh, to remain conscious. I mean, I know my limitations. If I get sleepy, I make sure that my wife takes over. But when I'm driving a stick, it's a whole different experience. It really is. And so I think every kid ought to have the, the experience of, of driving a stick shift. I'm sorry to see that only 1% of uh, vehicles anymore have a, a manual transmission. Uh, but I, and that's, I'm probably uh, heading towards going the way of the buffalo and the dinosaur with this. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of a stick shift. So uh, thank you for allowing me to uh, go down that rabbit trail a little bit uh, with you today. Again, love my stick. I tell my wife that a lot. Uh, my uh, little German uh, or Austrian stick shift. Love that car. I remind her of that a lot. All right, we'll be back in uh, five minutes with more of the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local Talk is back in the Valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we uh, discuss many of the issues that affect you and me right here in California's Central Valley. Our commitment to you is we are live and local. Want to make sure that you have the opportunity to voice your concerns and your opinions on the topics that we discuss here. And thank you so much for being part of the Mike Douglas Show family here. We really appreciate your participation. Uh, Thanks for joining us Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, just a uh, added note, uh, we had a conversation with Kevin Kiley, currently Assemblyman in California for District 3, talking about his his bill to uh, get a little bit of relief, uh, at least for a time, from the California uh, tax, gas tax. Uh, really got hijacked and uh, destroyed, took it places he didn't want it to go. Uh, didn't have, I know he had to run. Uh, he's, uh, he's on the clock up there and has some things he needs to get to. I didn't have time to play it. Uh, but <laughs> there was an in- this was not just a ho-hum discussion yesterday, uh, about his bill. And, and again, it got hijacked by the Democrats in the assembly and they turned it into a tax on oil companies. So uh, a bill that was intended to give Californians a relief for a time anyway from the California excise tax on gas uh, turned into uh, a bill that would tax oil companies. So it got far away from what Kevin Kiley had intended. Just to give you an idea of uh, <laughs> the uh, the emotions involved there, here, here's a, a quick snippet from that discussion uh, in the California Assembly, and you're, you'll hear uh, Kevin Kiley objecting to what they were doing to his bill. Two, impose a new vehicle fuel. I withdraw the bill. This is accepted. I'm not going to have my bill completely. Wait, 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 wait. uh, He gets to finish his. 
political Mr. Kiley, Mr. Kiley. I'm he, presenting a bill. I'm not giving wait, you guys a vessel to consider some other bill you want to do. Please turn off his microphone. Please turn off his microphone. So, <laughs> oh, what, these are the folks that uh, that we've elected. And, and uh, again, I think if they don't like the bill, vote against it. Vote against it. Uh, is this uh, and 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 as Kevin Kiley said, nothing really happened with the bill because even uh, even most of the Democrats in the room uh, realized that what they were talking about after they uh, quit beating up on his bill uh, was not something that was going to fly anyway. So I always present you with information. I uh, hear some, and again, put this uh, into your mix of information as you go to the polls in November 2022. Kevin Kiley's running for uh, California District 3 for Congress, and that covers, let's see, a large portion of it is in Placer County, uh, but also touches Sacramento County, I think also parts of the counties of uh, Nevada County, El Dorado, Plumas, Inyo, Mono, Yuba, Sierra, and Alpine uh, counties as well. So uh, if you're interested in taking a look at what Kevin Kiley stands for, uh, his website is electkevinkiley.com. And Kiley is spelled K-I-L-E-Y, electkevinkiley.com. Again, I don't tell you ever who to vote for, what to vote for. I'm offering you information. Hopefully, uh, you'll take the time to do some research. And if you're in that area, uh, decide whether or not you're going to cast a vote. And uh, I'm, I am I have been impressed with Assemblyman Kylie. I really have over the past uh, year or so that we've, uh, we've been on the air. I, I just uh, am impressed with his resolve to do the right thing and to stand his ground. And so I, uh, I wish him well. We were talking a, a little bit ago about uh, immigration, and I want to get to, in just a moment, the outcome. You remember that whole flap about the Border Patrol being portrayed by the media and some in Washington, D.C. as whipping immigrants? Uh, and I think there were Haitians, weren't they, that uh, that they were ri- originally accused of whipping. And it, the camera angle had everything to do with it. Anyway, did you hear the, the resolution to this? Uh, have you seen that over uh, the, the mass media? Uh, probably not, because it doesn't fit their narrative. I'm going to get there in just a second. Before we do that, I saw this astounding news item about the border. A California man is facing charges for allegedly smuggling over 1,700 reptiles into the United States. Yeah, believe it or not, he was uh, apparently caught trying to take reptiles over the border last month in February. He was attempting to cross the U.S.-Mexico border. And they say originally uh, Jose Manuel Perez said, I don't have anything, I, I have nothing to declare. Uh, but then when they uh, investigated a little further, and this is amazing to me, when he was crossing the border, he was allegedly hiding 60 reptiles under his clothing. Now, think about that for a moment. My, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to draw the picture in my mind of where I would hide 60 reptiles in my clothing to 
bring them illegally over the... So not only do we have illegal human immigrants, we have illegal reptile immigrants as well. Six, he was caught with 60 reptiles tucked away in his clothing. Where in the world did he... And, and what kind of reptiles were they? I, I mean, what are we talking about? Lizards or snakes? Uh, it's just amazing to me. So here, here's the upshot of this. And apparently he's been doing this, and they, and they they feel that he's brought over 1,700 reptiles into the U.S. He now faces up to 190 years in prison for illegally importing more than $739,000 worth of animals into the United States. Seven hundred thirty-nine thousand dollars worth of animals including 1700 reptiles 60 of which he was surreptitiously holding uh, and and concealing in his clothing i uh, i don't know that story gives me the creeps real i'm not into reptiles i've got some friends though that they have pet snakes i think one or two of our callers you called before and said that you have pet snakes i'm i'm not a I, we, we have a resident snake at, at the Douglas Hacienda. He's the mailbox snake. He uh, comes out usually in, in the summer when it gets hot right by the mailbox. And so he will, uh, it, she, it, he, whatever, will uh, come up and, and stick its head out of its little burrow hole and do the thing with the tongue and uh, dare me to go to the mailbox uh, while he's... Uh, he, she, it, whatever is standing guard. Anyway, haven't seen the mailbox snake uh, this year, and I'm hoping not not to see it. But anyway, those of you who are into reptiles, help me with this. Help me if you enjoy. You have reptiles as pets, and by the way, I am kind to reptiles. I don't kill snakes. I mean, if they're rattling at me, that that's a whole different story. Uh, I don't kill snakes. I shoo them away. And uh, once in a while, uh, because we live out sort of in the country a little bit, we'll, we'll get these big lizards coming into the... Uh, the last one happened to be uh, in a jacuzzi, which we don't use, but my wife thought that that was not the appropriate place for a big lizard. And so I captured the lizard, and I took uh, him, it, her, whatever, outside and let it go so that it can do whatever lizards do out in the wild. And, of course, it was frolicking immediately amongst the titanium weeds. So I, I, am, I am kind to reptiles. But those of you who have reptiles for pets, maybe, how do you, where do you conceal 60 reptiles on your person to hide them when you're coming over the border? I'm just trying to, I cannot fathom this. I'm trying to draw the word picture. I'm trying to think, where would I hide 60? First of all, I wouldn't bring a reptile, much less 60 reptiles over the border. But uh, but there you go. Anyway, if, if, if you have reptiles as pets, let me know. What do you think? Where? How do you conceal 60 reptiles on your person under your clothing? 
Not sure. Area code 209-551-3483. Our number here, 209-551-3483. When we come back, remember the whole flap uh, a couple of months ago as uh, Border Patrol agents, uh, there were pictures taken of them. And from the angle, uh, the media was saying it looked like they were whipping Haitian immigrants uh, and uh, and that uh, the disciplinary actions had to happen, and there was uh, the media was up in arms, as uh, were those who were in favor of uh, uh, of the immigrants coming over the border illegally. I have an update on it. If you haven't heard it, I'm going to give it to you in three minutes, right here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend, it's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. All right, coming back with the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas with you, uh, reading this story about the guy who... Uh, was arrested at the border with uh, apparently 60 reptiles concealed on his person. And I'm, I was, I, I, how do you do that? So I, I put out the call. Do we have anyone who's an expert with reptiles who has them that can help me understand uh, this particular situation? And we have one. I tell you, the audience of the Mike Douglas show is a never ending wealth of information. Let's go, uh, let's go north to Folsom a bit. Donna uh, has uh, has a reptile, I understand. Donna, what, what kind of reptiles do you have, and what are your thoughts about this guy? Um, well, I don't know where I would put 60 reptiles on my body, <laughs> but what I do have is a pet rattlesnake named Robbie. You what, Say that again? You have a pet rattlesnake? I have a pet rattlesnake named Robbie. Robbie. What? Donna, yes. what? Why, Robbie the rattlesnake. Why do you have? I'm I'm not being critical. I'm just asking. Why do you have a pet rattlesnake? What what prompted you to do that? Um, our neighbors. We live on property. Our neighbors got a load of rocks, and then came from their five acres six or seven rattlesnakes, and they were all mean. But Robbie was nice, so we kept Robbie with us. Wow. So do you, is there a, uh, what do you do with a pet rattlesnake? Do you defang <laughs> well, it somehow? Or know when it's safe. It what? Um, he lets me know when it's safe to pull weeds and put my hands underneath the, the bushes and whatnot. Um, when he's out, I know I shouldn't put my hands where I can't see them. Ah, so he's kind of like and, the canary in the mine right you use robbie to let you know if it's safe or not that there might yes, be other snakes in the exactly. area exactly yes and one time he got out and he didn't run away he didn't sliver away he stayed on the patio he was on the table and my cat tiger and him they played and we had it all on video we played it back, and we were like, oh, my goodness, they're playing in real life. They used to play through the glass. And when he got out, he played with them. He didn't hurt him. And you say cats have nine lives. He really did. 
And um, he waited for us. He could have went away, but he waited on the chair until we got home from work. This is fascinating to me. Now, have you, I mean, do, do you have any fear that Robbie might bite you and hurt you? No, no, uh-uh. He's not a mean rattlesnake. <laughs> He's not a mean rattlesnake. Rob, I, <laughs> I just, I, I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I have to, there's not much that leaves me speechless Donna, but you're, you've done it. I am, I am almost speechless here. So, uh, I am, so uh, let me ask you the, let, let's hypo- <laughs> hypothetical situation. Let's say that you met Robbie on the, uh, on, on, on the Southern end of the border and you were going to bring Robbie with you over the border. Where would you hide Robbie? Um, I wouldn't hide him on my body, that's for sure. Okay. Um, I might try to put him maybe under the seat. <laughs> D- D- Donna, you're amazing. I, uh, you, you truly are. <laughs> I, I have, I have to say, this is one of those Hall of Fame calls that will go down in history. Uh, oh, well, Donna, thank you. Well, yeah, you have, you have presented, I think, one of the most interesting calls uh, I have ever heard. Uh, thank you for that. And and so, how, but do you have any idea how long do rattlesnakes live? Do you know? I do not know, but his little rattle is as long as my pinky finger. Okay, and what what does he normally eat? I I, I mean, he doesn't try to he, eat you, but he eats rats. He eats rat. Do you? <laughs> he eats rats. We get him a rat once a month. So you've. You and fe- he's four feet long. The the Robbie the snake is four feet long. Yes. Okay, I was hoping it wasn't the rat that was four feet long. There, that that would have been really <laughs> gross. So so no, when you no, feed we, we- now, just out of curiosity, because I. Uh, you know, I, I can count the number of women I've dated on on one hand, and my lovely wife is long suffering. Uh, but I dated a, a wonderful lady uh, way back when, in in my early twenties, and she was a biologist, and she had snakes as part of. Uh, she also taught some college courses and such, and she had snakes, and she bought these little tiny mice at a store. And she would feed the mice to the snakes. So this is along the same order, right? Now, when you feed the, yeah. the rat to Robbie, do you feed him a live rat or a dead rat? A live rat. He will only eat live rats. Only Lee eat. And how do you catch the rat? Um, I go to the feed store and buy it. Oh, okay. All right. So it's the same principle as this uh, interesting lady that I, I dated, you know, like, well, several centuries ago now. Years ago. Yeah, well, a long, <laughs> um, long time ago. Yeah, so, well, Donna, you've, you've brought uh, a ray of sunshine into our lives today. Uh, it's been a wonderful call. It's great to meet you, and uh, I wish the the best for you and, and your friend Robbie and, and, uh, and, and your cat as well. So, Donna, thanks for visiting with us today. Okay. All right. Th- okay, and the cat does help catch mice for Robbie. Well, uh, there you go. So you have an ecosystem going there. Uh, Donna. Yes, yes. 
Yes, I do. Have <laughs> a right. great day. Thank you. All Thanks. right. Thank you. Thank you. Donna, it's a delight to talk to you. That's amazing, isn't it? She has a pet rattlesnake. I, um, I've got to think through that uh, a little bit that, and I, I'm, I'm sure it eats live. It'd be no point. I'm sure that the snake does not like, uh, dead rats. I, I would assume that the nutrients probably are gone by that point and, and they're getting rotten and that sort of thing. So I can see why Robbie would, uh, would probably want, uh, a, a live prey. Fortunately, it's not Donna, but it's just, this is, this is fascinating. And, and I'm getting messages here. My, uh, I'm getting my my message media here is burning up. I'm getting a message like the best call ever. Well, it, <laughs> it was the most fun call ever, I think. And and I am still amazed. And because of that, I'm going to have to save this story about uh, how the whole Border Patrol whipping thing turned out. And it turned out well, but it's probably not something that you've heard about because uh, they... Uh, it doesn't uh, fit the narrative that the Biden administration probably wants. By the way, do you remember, this just brought into my mind as, as we draw our two hours to a close here. In 1973, those of you who are of my generation, do you remember that movie called, S- it, it was S-S-S-S-S-S. It starred, uh, who was it, uh, Dirk Benedict, a very young Dirk Benedict, and Struther Martin. It, it was about this science, mad scientist that turned uh, was trying to turn snakes into people or people into snakes. That's, that movie gave me the creeps for a long, long time. Took a young lady to see it, and I was sorry that I took her to see it. Well, we'll have more interesting stories for you tomorrow from 3 to 5 p.m. here on the Mike Douglas Show. Thanks for so much for joining me today. See you tomorrow at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.